up, my hippity-dippity homeschooling homeschoolers out there listening in. Thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time, welcome to the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. Today is episode number 32, which of course means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 032. My guest today is Mr. Jacob Lindsay from the Tasting Anarchy podcast. We get into it at the end of the show a little bit about what that what that is all about, but uh, heads up, it's about tasting wine. And uh, yeah, I think they taste a variety of wines over there. Um, you know, get some of the more expensive, the nice, the nice wine that I've very rarely do we ever get nice wine. I just you know, much more of a Carlo Rossi guy myself. You know, part of the namesake. But uh, anyway, we got into to homeschooling, talking homeschooling. He has a, an interesting background um, in school. He's one of those that uh, went into public school, came out, went back in, and yeah, he seems to be doing well for himself. Uh, you know, he's he's no worse for wear there, and it uh, has has done him well. And uh, you will hear all about that. I did edit today's show a fair bit just because it it was long and it went on and. It was good and it was enjoyable, and um, you know, I like to keep these things uh, a little shorter, um, not not too short because obviously I, I ramble like I am right now. But um, yeah, if you want to get the whole interview, you can get that by going to Patreon.com/LibertyHippie, and for as little as two fifty a month, you can pick up that that full length interview um, with Jacob, as well as some other. Other things, other goods, other items. We got seeds, stickers, t-shirts. Uh. So uh, without further ado, um, go check out the show notes, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 032. Go listen to Jacob's podcast. And uh, let's go plant those liberty seeds with Jacob Lindsay. I'm the man from the mountain. Won't you come on up? Face full of mud. Yes, I am stumbling, and I know my car won't start. Yes, I am fumbling, and I know I play a bad guitar. So today, my, my guest is Jacob Lindsay. He uh, runs the show over at Tasting Anarchy, where um, you can find out how much government is in your wine. Um, and, and I think you'd be surprised how much is actually in yeah. there. It's disturbing. It, it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, also, he also does a little, a little get-together called Childerberg, which uh, I'll let him tell you about later in the show. But uh, for now, uh, let's let's talk to Jacob. Jacob, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time out and, uh, you know, skipping your dinner or whatever it was and, and talking to me. So yeah. appreciate that. Yes, no problem. <laughs> I, I was having a taco salad. I finished it and then the dog decided it wanted to, to lick the, do- the bowl, but I'm, I'm trying to get this dog to be a little bit better behaved because we just, we just put a deposit down on another of the same breed. Right. And so I'm like, well, I got I got to bone up on her on her training because I don't want her to be rubbing off on the other dog. <laughs> it's always, always the way it goes. You get one and, and you know, I think I got, I got to get it right before the next one comes along. It's like kids, you know, and then it just never, never works. Spirals out of control before you know it. You yeah. Know. <laughs> you are homeschooling them, but, uh, right. So, uh, so yeah, you're, I think you said earlier I, off the air, you're, you're like in your thirties and, um, so you're done with, with your education, your formal education, I guess, kind of, yeah. um, uh, yeah, there's always that extra stuff. We're always learning, you know. That's and that's the thing. You're always really learning, and so this whole idea that school is concentrated in these formative years is, you know, it's something. But it's uh, I don't know. I, I like to think that education just keeps going. I mean, I, I know the things that I've learned since graduating high school and college are just you know through the roof. But what was your like your your education like? coming up then was it was it a positive experience a negative experience did you i was homeschooled through honestly we didn't keep track of grades so um i think i think my mom pulled me out in third grade so i think it was third grade up until freshman year of high school 
I was, I was homeschooled and the up until third grade, my experience was like complete misery. Uh, I, I really, really did not like public school. I, I think at first I did. And, I, and if I recall, like I was really excited to go to school and, but because for whatever reason, either they didn't teach me in a way that was conducive to my learning style or, you know, one of the things they tried to do was diagnose me with a uh, learning disability and put me on all sorts of drugs and stuff. Uh, and my mom, you know, rightfully so was just like, nah, we're not, we're not putting him on drugs. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, the biggest problem I had in school was that I, I had a really hard time learning how to read. Okay. And for, for some reason, it, part of it was, um, and I, I do, I distinctly remember this because it was fonts is that like, if you, if I was reading a book and I learned how to read that book with that font, when a different font was shown, I had a really hard time identifying it as a different word or, or, uh, as the same letters across multiple fonts. That's, that's really interesting to me. Have you read anything elsewhere about other other folks experiencing that sort of thing? No, no, I, I never, I, I, you know, I kind of lost interest in it because it was just one of those things that eventually it clicked and I was like, Oh, this shape is the same as this other shape. They're, they're roughly the same. Uh, but to me when growing up, like I would see like a capital a and, you know, sans serif and then like another one in times new Roman. And to me, these were very different characters. And I'd be like, how on earth can these be the same letter and how can they represent the same sound? And, and that was, that was really difficult for me. And, uh, but it was like one of those things that like, once my mom pulled me out of school and I, I, and it clicked and I figured it out. I went from reading like C spot run to like the Similarillion. And so, so it was like one of those things that's just like my mom knew that I wasn't a dummy or that I didn't have any sort of problems. And she just knew that there, that there was just this one thing that was difficult, but she also knew that I loved to learn before I got into school. And once I got into school, that just kind of crushed, like she said, I, I would come home lethargic and uh, ex- exhausted and not, and just hating it and always trying to make up all sorts of sicknesses so that I wouldn't have to go. And and I like and I liked seeing people there. Like I had friends in school, but it was just one of those things that like. And I'll, also, I would always uh, argue with the teachers. So like I, I had I had this whole campaign going where I try I like I riled up all these other kids to be like, if we have to go to this special reading class, we should be excused from all this other homework because we have additional homework. And so rabble rouser. Like, yeah, yeah. So like I, I was like, we're gonna get into class and we're just gonna not do it. And and like. And then end up being just me not doing it. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I would do things too. Like there was a, also, I had some compliance issues where like, like when I was in kindergarten, uh, if I got bored, I would just walk home and like show back up home. I was like, school's not out yet. And I was like, yeah, I didn't want to stay. So I left. And, That's crazy, man. Yeah. So, so I did have kind of this, like, it, it was like a non-compliant spirit. I just didn't, I just didn't like the way it was done. It was not fun for me. And it was, and, and I think that's kind of formed a lot of like my opinions, like on forcing people. I mean, this is a, this is an entire system. Now, granted, this is all because I was in, an, I was in and out of public schools is this is a system that's in my opinion, fundamentally derived out of like a, a violent or implicit violence saying that like, basically if you don't send your kids to school, uh, you're going to go to jail and we're going to take them away from you. And, and if you, if your kids don't go to school, they're truant, and that's a that's a criminal offense. So, uh, so I think I, I think maybe like on some sort of you know subconscious level, I understood that, and it just didn't. I just didn't like it. We just just got back from vacation. I just left my kids with my grandparents or with my parents for a couple of weeks to like do school, and I was just talking to somebody about that. That you know this whole truancy thing. Like I'm allowed to do that. I can. My kids are homeschooled, so I can leave them with you know, a, a adult, another adult that will school them and, and they would not have that opportunity um, if they were in public school, you know, and my, my folks are up in New York, I'm down in Georgia and they just, you know, they need that time with them and they wouldn't be able to have that. And it just, it's, it's like you said, that whole truancy thing to think about parents being brought in and CPS getting involved and all this stuff because y- you missed too many days of school. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. I, I love that you, uh, 
you would walk home from school. I, I just, I mean, and it's not like you were in school that long ago either. You know, I, I can't imagine a, a little kid getting out of school today and, and walking home. I, I, walk, I, uh, I think my mom walked me to school the first day uh, up until she pulled me out of homeschool, but the rest of the time I walked myself and, or rode my bike. And uh, yeah, and it wasn't that long ago. I'm 32 years old now. So this was the, the early nineties. Um, and, but yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was just uh, for, you know, whatever reason it was, it, the school was close enough, I guess that like, it was less than a mile away. I think it was maybe, maybe three quarters of a mile away. And, and we were also kind of free to do what we wanted after school. You know, my mom, it, it was a small town it was a lot smaller when my mom was little. It's a lot smaller when I was little than it is now. I mean, it's grown a lot, but, uh, the, just kind of the atmosphere, this was, this was a, it was a different time. It was, it was, you know, it was the last of the generation probably where your parents are just like, you know, you can go out and do whatever you want. Just come home when the streetlights come on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. they're just kind of the last generation of that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a sad thing to see go, but there are, communities being formed now kind of around that because I think it's important for kids to just explore. It is. That's a huge learning tool. Yeah. You know, I mean, really just getting down into your, your environment and figuring things out that way, you know, hands on. Um, Yeah. Well, and you know, and there was, so when I got pulled out of school, uh, I, I have four sisters as well. So I was the only one homeschooled at the time. And my other sisters were in public school. My older sister had taken a year out to with my grandpa. And he he had this, as we were talking before the show, he had a tradition where he would pull one of the grandkids out of school every year and do homeschool with them. Because it's just a good time. He was an old old guy and, and uh, he wanted to spend some time with the grandkids. Then he ended up having a lot of grandkids because he had, he, had se- he had seven kids of his own. So each one of those kids started having kids. So it started getting real big, but, uh, so she had, she had had some experience outside, but she did a lot better in public school than I did. And then my sister won down from me. She came out for a year, but she, uh, didn't do as well with the, so that when you're homeschooled, there is a social aspect to it. Like a lot of people say that you're not socialized and all that sort of stuff. If anybody, I mean, to say that public school is socialization is weird. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really bizarre situation that doesn't exist in real life. But my my sister, one down from me, did do very well with the social aspect. She just didn't do great with the education aspect of it until she was mm-hmm. older. Once she got older, she kind of, she figured it out and she was able to do pretty well. My sister, two down from me, was like a public school whiz. Like she was great at it. She's straight A's the entire time, never really had to try really liked studying, really liked that structure and all that sort of stuff. And then my youngest sister, she was pulled out of school after I had gone back into high school and she had sort of the same spirit as I had. She just, she didn't do well in public school. It wasn't for her. And she had a lot of the same things where she just, it's for her. I think there was a little bit of a learning issue. Um, she, she has a very distinct way of learning. And so it was more so the learning issue than it was with me. Although I had that, that problem as well, but uh, for her, it was just, just not, she just couldn't learn in public school. Like she would get there and it just was not for her. And, and she's, she's a smart girl now. And she's, she's much more of a, like a kinesthetic learner and a, and a kinesthetic person too. Like she's a massage therapist now. And uh, so a lot of the stuff that my mom ended up doing with her was t- like figuring out what was good for her was like um, touchy things. So like feeling and, and doing things with her hands and, and, uh, and, and more emotional type things too. Cause she's, she's a much more sensitive person than I am. And, um, whereas like for me, a lot of it was, I just kind of wanted to be left alone to, to do my own stuff at my own pace. And then once I did have a hard time learning to read, but the, but once I got that, it was just like, no, let me go at my own pace. And I, and I did go at my own pace and there was other things too, that were interesting. I want only wanted to study things that I was interested in studying. So, uh, you know, I did have to, so in California, the homeschooling system back then was, um, you did have to meet with like a person every month Okay. and they would just kind of keep it like you have to show them your curriculum and things like that. And, and basically my mom and I constructed our curriculum, my curriculum together. So she'd be like, well, this month, what do you want to study? What do you want to know? And I was like, well, I like, uh, I, I like history a lot. So she would be like, okay, well then we're going to, we're going to structure your 
studies around history. And so what we'll do is we'll do, instead of just like algebra, we'll do history of algebra and you'll learn how to do the equations that the people who came up with algebra did. And, and like we'll do, instead of like just like biology, we'll do like history of biology and you'll learn about that kind of thing. So she, she did a good job structuring it in that way where it was just like, you're interested in this, we're going to structure your curriculum around that. And then every month we would kind of revisit it. That's was when, when you, was it just like the, um, standards, if you will, at, at that time, or what was it that you had to share with, with that person? Just basically that you were actually doing something. So, okay. so like all, they didn't care because in California, if you're homeschooled, you get your tax dollars back, or at least you did back then. So whatever, whatever you're worth to the public school, you would get, you would get that amount of money at home. And uh, you could spend it on whatever you want as long as it was a qualifying educational expense. And, and pretty much everything was if you justified it. So, right, um, right. so this lady, that was her job. Basically she would show up. I can't remember her name. Actually, she was a really nice old lady, but uh, you know, she was, she was like, I mean, she was ancient. She was like 85 or something like that. She would show up and she'd be like, okay, well, what did you do this month? And, and we'd have to like, just be like, okay, well I studied this. And she's like, well, do you have any documentation of it? And I'm like, no, but I can recite it to you. And so, and then she'd be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. And so she always passed us. And then at the end of the year, there was this thing called like star or something like that, that you had to, it was, it was a multiple choice test that you had to do. And, uh, and it was always super easy. So I always passed it. And, uh, but, but it gave me a really good opportunity for, to do things like, like one, I remember one quarter I, I wanted to take Taekwondo. And so I just took Taekwondo and that was like one of my classes. And, uh, and I met some like cool homeschool kids at Taekwondo and they were taking rock, rock climbing. So then I was like, well, can I just take rock climbing? We were able to spend my tuition on that kind of thing too. So. That's, 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 uh, I like that. I like that layout. It's nice. At least they, they give you something back, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't know if it was the equivalent or whatever, but like, yeah. yeah. And then there was like, there were certain like subjects. My mom didn't know how to teach very well. Uh, and so there was this, um, we called it homeschool school. So it was just basically like all the homeschoolers in the area would rent out this building and any subject that, that one parent was really comfortable teaching, but the other parents were not comfortable teaching. They would just be like, Hey, I'm going to do this class on this day and show up if you want to show up or don't show up if you don't want to show up. And, uh, so like I took like, I took like world geography or something like that there. And, um, there's like a, there's like a cultures of the world class that I took where, they, we like every time you went, you would study some other culture and, uh, you know, and, uh, and then what was cool about that too, is my cousins were out, they, they, they lived way up in the mountains, kind of really far away. And the public school that was available to them was really far away from their house. And so they just were homeschooled and, but they would, they would come down the mountain and we would meet at the homeschool school because this is, this is, this is Northern California. It's pretty rural or especially back then it was rural. I mean, now it's, it's bigger than it used to be, but, um, there was, it's El Dorado County goes from like almost near Sacramento all the way to Nevada. And then it's also very wide. So this is El Dorado County homeschool school would meet in this area. So you had people coming from almost in Nevada down and like, you know, traveling all this way, but they would, they would figure out a ways to make these outings like educational for their kids. And it was, it was really cool now. And you and I mentioned this earlier is, um, not in, I don't think in the show I think it was before, but like in California, a lot of the people that homeschool are very left wing. They're like, uh, you know, like some sort of communist or like, you know, like anarcho communists or something like that. A, a lot of them are, they're, they're just, they're just old hippies that and end up having kids. And they were just like, yeah, I'm not going to put them in the corporate school with like the sugar injections and all the medication, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is like pre anti-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer stuff. So, um, a lot of that, but one of the things that's that's cool about it that people don't get is that they always, they always say that like homeschool kids are desocial or not socialized, and and what they mean is that they're different than other kids because they are unusual. But when you see like a a young homeschooled kid, especially in in that generation, I, I don't know what it's like now. I don't I don't know anybody who's young and still homeschooled, but in that generation, we would go out into town as like a, a gaggle of homeschool kids and we had no problem interacting with adults. And, and one of the things that like my mom always taught me was, you know, like you, you, so kids nowadays, and I think this is part of the structure of authority is that they see an adult and they think that that's somebody who has power over them. 
Whereas in the, in the culture of homeschool that I was brought up in, it was not that they had a power over you. It was that you did have to have respect for them because they're people, but you don't have to listen to them. So like, I almost feel like we are better suited to like avoid, you know, pedophiles or whatever abducting us and stuff because we just didn't listen. We would just, they, people would be like, Hey, get in my van or whatever. And we'd be like, says who? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we'd be polite and we'd say, sir, um, I, I'm not going to get in your van. I don't want to help you, you know, find this, your puppy and I'm not going to take your candy. And uh, and we were very respectful of it, but we would just kind of move on or whatever. It wasn't like, oh, this is an adult telling me what to do. I've got to do it. I I um I think there's still some some truth to that for sure. I know like you know that's always something, right? Oh, the socialization, right? You're gonna have these weirdo homeschooler kids that uh, can't socialize, and you know, and maybe you'll get that if you like lock your kid in your basement or something, you know. But um, and I know families like that where. There, there's kids that are my age that are that they the way that their parents did it was not great. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, is that you you get regularly kids abused in public school and nobody ever brings us up. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it happens uh, just as much, if not more. I mean, you know, it, it might not be the same kind of abuse, but there's definitely you know you, you turn on the news, you look for it. There's there's sexual abuse happening. Like there's there's something new every day, you know. But um, with the homeschoolers, you know they. There are, there's, there's co-ops that pop up. There's groups of, of homeschoolers that get together and, and they hang out and they, and they socialize and they, they do just fine, you know? And, and like you said, they do recognize some of that authority, but at the same time, they're not afraid to, to question that, you know? And maybe that's because like, you know, they are being schooled with mom and dad and, and they see mom and dad make mistakes, you know, they're with you the whole time. They know you make mistakes and that's okay. You know, it's, it's how you deal with it and how you move on from it. And I think they, I think they get that when you, you know, when you're stuck in a classroom and I mean, God forbid you, you question the teacher, you know, these days, even if, even if you're, you're right and you question the teacher, you're going to get, you know, hauled down to the principal's office and have a talking to. But. I mean, once I reentered public school, like learning that was tough for me was, you know, I, I remember my, my freshman year, I had to take a biology class and, um, I wasn't opposed to evolution, but they were teaching evolution in the biology class. And I somehow in my mind made this connection that like, I was like, I can opt out of sex education. Why can't I opt out of this? And so like, so the teacher was like, okay, we're going to go into Darwinism or, you know, Darwin is Darwin's theories and stuff. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, where's my slip? And she said, what slip? I'm like, my opt out slip. Like, what if I have religious objections to this? And, and she's like, well, there's, there's no opt out of this. This is part of the, you need to learn this for your standardized testing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and, and like, I remember they had, they had to call my mom and be like, look, Jake is causing problems. And she's like, well, I mean, like, if he doesn't want to learn it, just let him go down to the library or something. <laughs> yeah. You'd think, you know, I mean, it seems like it would be a, a, a useful you know, way to, to use your time, uh, you know, go down to the library and study something else you like, if that's okay, you know. But I mean, that was, by, the, by the time I re-entered school, I think it, it had become, there was a couple of subjects that were really interesting to me and, the, and some of them actually helped me. Like, I'm, a, I'm a software developer now and I got into software development because of classes in high school. And so like to that degree, like some of them were good, but like I, in like the standard subjects and like algebra, like the various maths and, um, English to a lesser degree. I'm still not a great speller. Uh, I, you know, I read fine and everything and I'm actually a good writer, but I'm, I'm not a great speller. So like English, I did have issues, but when it came to like writing or reading and that kind of stuff, I had no problem. Uh, so the standard subjects, I was kind of bored for the most part. And so I just like to cause trouble. <laughs> and, uh, but I usually got along really well with the teachers because I, I was, because most kids are just kind of like keep their head down, do their work. Whereas like, I'm like, well, let's engage. And like the teacher's like, holy shit. Like I haven't been engaged in, you know, the 20 years that I've been studying here, like three kids have engaged me. Like I, I do. I think, I don't think it's good for teachers either. I think the the public school just model is not good for teachers as well. It it's uh, it's, it's soul sucking for everybody involved. Yeah. You think about that, you know, you're, you're, doing the same thing you're nobody's nobody's 
actually engaging you in any sort of discussion that makes you think or makes you, you know, reevaluate things. You know, of course, there's all these continuing ed programs you got to talk take take now, but you know, then your your these continuing ed programs are also all these mandated programs, and they're not necessarily education so much as you know uh, theory. It's an interesting thing. So I'm curious, so you were out. And you went back in, in ninth grade, right? Yeah, yeah. Freshman, my freshman year in high school. Now, did you go back in like age appropriate for ninth grade or were you uh, like ahead I, I behind? Think I was a little bit older. I think I was like, I was like, I think I probably should have gone. So my dad is, is active duty military. And um, so we, he got stationed in Virginia. And the, the homeschool laws in Virginia are way stricter than California. Well, I don't know if it's surprising, but it's the South. You'd think that it would be would be more like libertarian, but no, it, it, my mom looked into it and she's just like, Jake, I can't homeschool you. And I was like, well, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to make friends or something. I'm in a new place. I, I don't know anybody. And so I went back in and uh, I think I was about a year older because I ended up graduating. I graduated when I was 18 or I, I did the, like the ceremony and stuff when I was 18, but I walk or, but I, but I left school when I was 19. So I think I'm just maybe a year off. So, but you know, they do the graduation ceremony like four, four months or something like that before you actually are done. How how was that transition? It was fine. It was like I didn't like it. Uh, it the I didn't like the rigid schedule. When I was homeschooled, I just kind of made up my own schedule. Um, my mom did make me get up in the morning. That was that was one thing that she was kind of <laughs> rigid on. So she would be like, uh, "You can't just sleep in all afternoon. You have got to get up at, eight, at by eight o'clock because that's when." the youngest of my sisters uh, left for school. And then I kind of was free to structure my own day. And then that was, that was the difficult part about going into public school was um, I was not free to structure my day. It was, it was very rigid and, and I didn't care for that, but I did have, a, I had some really, really good teachers that first year that I was back. Um, kind of, I think, cause I used to be like really hardcore kind of neocon conservative because my mom, every you know, when I was homeschooled every day, my mom would do whatever she needed to do, and she would turn on Rush Limbaugh. Yes, <laughs> and so I, I was, I was Rush Limbaugh every day, and I would, I would always make sure that whatever I like work I needed to do on pa- paper, I would do in front of the radio, listening to Rush Limbaugh. Because we also, we also didn't have a TV until I was older as well, so radio was kind of like our entertainment. I, I remember that, like coming home from school, and and that would be my mother would have like Rush Limbaugh on and like that was, you know, in the car, that was something we, you know, it would be on. It's, it's just, it's funny that like, you know. Yeah. Well, and we had, we had, we had local cause you know, Rush Limbaugh got started in Sacramento, which is uh KF, KFBK was the station he got started on, which is the, the station we received in El Dorado County. And um, so he was on there really early on. So we listened to him. Like, I think he, I think he got started in like 88 or 89 on KFBK. So like he was a fixture in the house from when I was like before I can remember. And then there was another conservative guy. He wasn't as radical as, as um, rush, but his name was Tom Sullivan. And he started out kind of as like a financial guy and then, but he was very conservative. So he would kind of get into these conservative type things. And then like, you know, you had people like Glenn Beck show up later on and, uh, right. and there was other people too. I also, um, this is how like I got into like conspiracy stuff is that, late at night. Cause I also didn't really have a, a bedtime. Uh, I would listen to coast to coast AM with, uh, George <laughs> Norrie. And then before that it was Art Bell. And so I got into like weird ghost stuff and things like that too. So, uh, like radio was like a big fixture because we didn't, we, we had a TV, but it was a, it was like a tiny TV. It was like a five inch TV and it was in my parents' room and they were the only ones who watched it. My mom kind of was like very anti-television. So we, we didn't have one until we lived with my grandparents. They had one. So, so anyways, but the transition was, was, it was interesting. And, but I had a good perspective on it because my sisters were public schooled. So like, so for me, it was more like I'm going in, I have to do all these studies and that sort of stuff, but I also get to observe what all of these other people are like. And so like you're, I'm going through these different classes and there were certain classes I thought was, were valuable. Like I said, uh, my civics class was valuable. My programming class was valuable. Uh, my public speaking class was incredibly valuable. I thought um, it was it was like that. That actually helped me get several jobs because I had lots of jobs where I had to be kind of out in front of people, and uh, that that helped me kind of like calm my nerves when it became 
when it was like an uncomfortable situation. Um, that was a valuable course. Uh, I also had, I had a great Latin teacher. He was, he was a Byzantine Catholic monk who taught it, taught in the public school. He was a really nice guy though. And I took three years of Latin with him. Uh, I don't really remember very much of it, but he, I remember him just being a really great teacher. Uh, but I also had like terrible teachers. So, uh, the adjustment was, was exactly what I expected. It was like, okay, this is going to be a rigid system. Um, mm-hmm. and it's going to, it's basically like Nazi training center and I'm, I'm not going to be free to do the things that I want to do. And, and I found my own escape for that. I, I was, I was already working that I, when I got into my freshman year, I was working under the table as a uh, landscaper and, um, or like a landscaping outfit. And then I did like that summer of my freshman year, I did under the table roofing and gutter cleaning. And, um, I've worked at, I worked at a garden center for a while under the table. And then I worked at the same garden center above the table or over the table or whatever it's called. And then I worked at, you know, so there was, there was things going on where I, like I was more interested in working than I was interested in school. And I still did well in school because like I said, my, my standard subjects were just kind of beneath me. Um, Cause when you kind of, when you go at your own pace, you can spend a lot of time on the things you don't understand and learn to understand them and then skip the things that you are, that are very easy. That I, and that was, that's something I remember from high school. Um, you know, the, the, the things that came easy to me might not come easy to someone else. And so when I get it and then the kid over there doesn't get it and we have to go over it for half an hour, by the end of that half hour, I was either confused, I forgot it, or I was in la la land, like dreaming, you know, cause I, it was just, and so like having the ability to do that with, with the homeschool kids, you know, like just sit down and, and go do what you want. And you know what? Like you have a hard time doing something. You, you just stick with it until you get it. And you have that, that luxury. Well, and um, also I think what's cool too about the homeschool kids is there's no stigma of how old you are in the subject that you're on. Because no. especially if you have like a, a little bit of freedom when it comes to what you decide to study is that you may be like when I did, when we did the, like the co-ops and stuff like that, we were, we had kids in the class ranging from five years old to high school age and, and everything in between. And you're all studying the same thing at your own pace. And the older kids are helping the younger kids. Sometimes the younger kids are helping the older kids if they understand it. So there's this, there's this like fluidity and stuff where it's not so rigid on age. It's more of just like who knows more. And, and when you get out into the real world, that's the way it is sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're 40 years old. Sometimes the kid is 30 years old, knows a lot more about something than you do. And, um, and, and, I, and I experience that all the time in, in my, my career now. It's like, you know, I'm a software developer. I, I have to deal with people who are much older than me a lot of times. And they know it. They don't know what I know. But they're very threatened with that. And, they, and sometimes they want to like be like, Oh, well, he's younger than me. At least this is the way I perceive it is that he, they're going like, he's younger than me. I should know more. So I have to kind of like, like, you know, put my dick on the table or whatever and like show him all these other things and like tell him how much I make and like what my life is like and all that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah, bro, I, you know, I don't really care about those types of things. This is, I'm here to help you. You don't have to, right. you have to tell me all these things. I want you to succeed. I'm going to help you succeed. Let's figure out how this software needs to be developed and what you need from it. And, uh, and a lot of times, you know, you can kind of, you know, with, with all of the different things that you learn, the experience you get is you learn how to treat people who think that this is like an age thing. It's like, there's a hierarchy of age. There is no hierarchy of age. Some people know stuff and some people don't. And that's just the way it is. But, and it helps reinforce too. Like when you are, are teaching other people, whether they're older or younger, um, or you're sharing knowledge and, and it gives you a different perspective. It helps reinforce what you've learned. Cause now it's one thing to take it in. It's a whole nother thing to, to show somebody else how, how to do it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. it's, yeah. it's, it's a very different skill too. It's a very different skill to know how to show somebody. And, um, you know, that's like one of the things that, <laughs> that I'm learning with my dog right now. Cause I said, I was trying to reinforce some training <laughs> is like, there, there are things that I want her to do that, it's hard to show her, but like learning how to do that again, going like, Oh, that's right. Like she doesn't know any of these. She doesn't know my language. And the same thing, like when you're doing software development, it's like, they don't know my language and you have to show them. You have to give them very, very clear examples. You have to reward them in different ways when they understand it. 
and, and that's the way it is with everybody. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, five years old or 95 years old, you've got, you, you do have, you always have the capacity to learn. You, you maybe are going to be better at some things and worse at other things, but you can figure everything out and it's worth time. It's worth your time to learn. Actually, that's, that's the big takeaway. I just, I just, I, <laughs> I just epiphany to myself. That's the big takeaway from being a homeschooler is I was not necessarily taught all of the information that I'm ever going to need to know. But what I was taught and what it was reinforcing me is a love of learning new things and not being afraid to learn new things and not being afraid to fail at new things. Yeah, that the whole failure thing is is a big one. You know, learning to be okay with that. And in a homeschool environment, I think it's much easier to fail and to deal with failure. I think when you get in a classroom, um, you know, there's, there's that fear of failure and it's huge because, you know, there's, there's the peer pressure that goes with that. You, you look like an idiot in front of like a bunch of people now, instead of just some people that, you know, actually care about you, like your parents or your siblings. It's- I think it really reinforces, you know, continual education. And, and I mean, I kind of to get into the other aspect of the show, the homestead aspect is there are so many things that, I think it, it's a direct connection to me being homeschooled that I was just like, I just want to try it and, and I would do it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Like it doesn't matter. You know, one of the things that like I did when, when I had first, when I first moved out of my parents' house was I set up an aquaponics system in my garage and I raised tilapia. I grew all my own vegetables and fruit. My roommate and I lived off of only things that we grew for almost three months. And it was tough because we had, we had a quarter of an acre, but we like densely, densely packed the backyard. We had all the tilapia. We were growing stuff above the tilapia. We kind of like switched out some of the tilapia water into the plants so they would grow more. And we were getting really, now we, we leading up to that, we also did lots of harvest and pickled things and stuff. So we had, we were eating like, you know, for the prior six months, we were like storing up pick, pickled items and, by the, by the end of that, we were just like, I hate pickled tomatoes. I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was kind of like, it was an experiment that we wanted to do. We were just, he, he was never homeschooled, but he was kind of just a free spirit in general. And, uh, then my second roommate, he was homeschooled and he was, he was a crazy dude, but he was, he was really super interesting. And, and also kind of the same thing. He was just, he had no concept of what was normal and it wasn't, and it wasn't relevant to him either. He wasn't, it was never, he would never have the question of like, Oh, well it wouldn't be normal to do this. It was just like, no, like, yeah, like let's do it. I, like I read about actually, I mean, to kind of go off on like a, a completely different angle is I listened to one episode of Joe Rogan where he mentioned that you can make your own DMT. And I was like, huh, I want to do that. So I just did it. And and like call up my friends and was like, okay, I now I have a huge amount of DMT. Who wants some? <laughs> and uh, it was it's it's that kind of like like experimentation where it's just like I'll do it. I'll 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 try to do anything. I'm very very interested in doing it myself. Whether it, where whether it continues or not is another thing. Another, you know, another one like I just bought my my I was when when we were coming back from Childeberg, the first one. Um, I was just talking to my wife about a motorcycle and I was like, yeah, you know, I used to have the scooter and I really liked it and, and we're working on it. And she's like, well, why don't you have a motorcycle anymore? And I was like, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of work and, and stuff. She's like, yeah, you should get one. I think you'd look hot on a motorcycle. And, <laughs> and I was like, huh? Okay. And, and then the next week I had a motorcycle that didn't work. And, and I've been, I've been rebuilding it in the apartment garage and, uh, and it runs now. I've, I've been able to run around the, you know, ride around the block and stuff like that. But it's like one of those things where it's just like, when you're homeschooled, a lot of times your parents don't have the time to uh, necessarily sit down and explain everything to you. They're just like, here, take the book, try to figure it out yourself. And if you get stuck, we'll come and help you later. And I, and I kind of got that thing now. It's like, I bought the book for the motorcycle. I open it up. The motorcycle doesn't work. What are the possibilities that, that could be wrong with? Like, I understand like general concepts of how an internal combustion engine works. So it's like, okay, so what does an internal combustion engine need? It needs electricity to make a spark. It needs air to uh, make the combustion happen and needs fuel. So let's go and figure out where this is not happening. And you go through it. And now like, you know, I, now granted it's, it's one thing after another is wrong with it. It's a, it's a 35 year old motorcycle, but uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I like it. It's fun for me to do it. I like learning new things. I like sh- seeing the fruits of my labor. Whereas when I think in a lot of the public school settings is the fruits of your labor are, letters on a standardized test that you, that you probably, you know, when in doubt, Charlie out, you just put C on all the ones you didn't know. And you, 
you know, you got enough, <laughs> you got enough of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a test score. It's, um, it's moving on to the next grade. It's, it's a college, uh, acceptance letter from who knows where, you know, it is, it's, it's not, it's nothing really tangible. Um, I feel like with homeschooling, you're really able to, to master, you know, certain subject areas that appeal to you, you know, and I don't know, not always, not always there when you only have 40 minutes a day to, to learn something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you spend, you, when you're homeschooled, you spend the amount of time you want to spend on a subject and you move on when you're ready. So you, you, you have a dog or you got two dogs? I got one dog right now. We, we just, we, I'm for lack of a better way of putting it, we ordered another one. Um, so like, so, I mean, these days with the internet, you can, you can just, you know, put, I put a deposit on, there was a, a litter of dogs were just born a couple of weeks ago, uh, up in Missouri. And, um, we have a Shiba Inu and I want another Shiba Inu, which is the, the internet doge dog. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you a, are you a big doge? Fan? <laughs> well, uh, actually my wife had the dog before we got married. Okay. And, and, and no kids, no kids yet. No, not yet, but we're, you know, we're talking about it. So we're, we're planning. Is that something if, if you have kids, would you, do you think you'd homeschool them? Oh, absolutely. So this is actually when, when, before my wife and I got married, this is one big, one of the big conversations that we had that we were not sure if we were compatible uh, because of this. So like I, I said, I, there's no way I'm sending my kids to government school. And, and she was like, well, you know, she had all the, you know, my wife's actually Ukrainian. She's not, she was, she grew up in, in uh, Ukraine and so, uh, but what's interesting is she had a lot of the same objections. She's like, wait, what? Like, but like worse than Americans, I think. She had never heard of it. She had never even heard that you could possibly be homeschooled. And huh. so she's like, wait, what is this? I don't understand. What is this? And, and I'm like, no, like you, you teach your kids on your own. Like they, or they, they, they decide what they want to learn and they're free to learn the things that they want to learn. And you kind of direct it. You figure out a way to get them to learn all the things that they need to know but you make sure that it's their choice. You lead them to water. They still have to drink. And, uh, and she's just like the concept to her was so foreign. She's like, how, like, how could your parents have kept you out of school? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, how, how did you make friends? Like, like all of the standard objections, like, I mean, like she knows I'm kind of weird, but she was like, like, why aren't you more weird? Why? Like, like all of these different things. And eventually she's come around. And, and a lot of it is because, I, don't, I try not to beat people over the head with like my beliefs. Uh, uh, and this is kind of what we do on tasting anarchy as well is, is it's very, it's very public that we're anarchists. Uh, but we don't, we don't like hammer these anarchist ideas over and over is we usually, we taste a wine that's pretty neutral. And then we introduce a news story that is relevant to the wine world. And we, in, we look at that from the angle where it's like, you may not know this, but the government is, doing this to this particular aspect of the wine industry. And that is making it cost probably this much more or even more than that, or making it difficult for you to get this wine uh, and so on and so forth, that kind of thing. So it's sort of the same thing where it's just like, I didn't, I didn't just keep going like, you know, over and over, you've got to, you've got to homeschool the kids. You've got to homeschool the kids and that stuff. I was like, like, what, what about private school? Would you be okay with private school? And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Private school. That's probably a better education. I was like, okay. Uh, what if it was like homeschool, but we followed like the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum uh, and we did it with like other, other homeschool kids in the area. So it'd be kind of like private school, but it would also be homeschool because they would do, they would study on their own pace and they'd kind of figure things out. And if they got stuck, you know, we'd be able to help them out. And she's like, Oh, well that, that kind of makes sense too. And then eventually, you know, she got, she kind of came around to it and she was just like, yeah, this makes sense. You know, she, she, she was very, very agreeable to like, cause like when we first met, uh, she, she was like, Oh, like you're an anarchist. That's, that's kind of weird. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, how does that even work? And I'm like, well, like the, the example that won her over, I always bring this up is I always said, well, would you rather live in an apartment complex that offered you security or an apartment complex that didn't offer you security? And, and she was like, Oh, one with, and I said, and that's how everything would be paid for. <laughs> so you would pay the premium for the things you want. And if you don't want them, you just don't pay for them. That's, and, and you don't use them. And that's like, that's how it'll work. There's probably lots of people who don't want security on their apartment because they'll save some money and they've got guns or something like that. So, uh, 
So like that made sense to her. And so like over time, like she's kind of come along to this. I, I, I always say that she's kind of a natural anarchist because she does sort of have that anti-authoritarian streak, which she recognizes in Ukrainian culture, like a lot of the stuff that is like left over from the Soviet Union and like how it's been so soul crushing to her people. And uh, like nobody, she's like, nobody's an entrepreneur and, and she hates it. She's like, she's like, there's so much, there's so much potential in Ukraine and they just don't see it because everything is this government corruption and bribes and, uh, and, and, you know, monopolization through the government and all this sort of stuff. She recognized that before we even met, like, she was just like, this is why I don't want to be there. And she ended up coming here and it's, it's better, but not much better. <laughs> so I can imagine that would be, I mean, I don't know my Ukrainian history too deep, but I can imagine that, that coming through that and, you know, experience a little bit of different style of things over here um, could, you know, open some eyes, open some ideas and make you wonder, question some things. Well, I think it does like certain, like certain, like she also, she had such a, a terrible public school experience like abusive classmates and that sort of thing. And, um, and that sort of kind of turned her off of public school. So that's like one of the things that like kind of also brought her over was, uh, you know, you're locked in these schools with these kids who are sometimes horrible, horrible, horrible people. Like they've got whatever's going on at home with them or, or the way that they react to the public schooling, whatever it is, uh, there's very often times they just have these just terrible experiences. And, uh, and, you know, she understood that that was kind of one of the things that like explaining it's like, you know, these kids that were really mean to you and that bullied you and stuff like that, you know, they probably had these terrible things going on at home or they were, they were not happy about being in school and stuff like that. And that they, they saw you as the person that this was an opportunity for them to take their aggression out. But what made it worse is that you're locked in that school with them and, and you have to see them every day. Yeah, there's there's no way out. You're stuck there, you know. That's uh Well, what about like uh how much like do you your kids are homeschooled, correct? Yeah, we have we have four. Um three of them are there. The youngest one will be 3 here in in August. So Yeah, we're we're doing that. We pulled our son out in he went to kindergarten and, uh, and that was that. And, did, did, uh, uh, did you guys like end up following like a, a homeschool curriculum or do you do like unschooling or. So we started the very first year we did it. Um, we didn't use a curriculum for my son. We kind of pulled things from here and there. And, and my wife did a lot of work putting, putting stuff together. Um, and it, it was really good. Um, we really enjoyed it and he learned a lot. Uh, and, and since then, you know, we did foster care and we adopted a couple kids here and, and we've just put a little bit more stuff on our plate. Um, trying to homeschool three of them at the same time is a little tougher. And so we've started using, um, moving beyond the page, which is a curriculum that we use. Um, and you know, we like it well enough, you know, there's some things that, you know, you skip and you don't use. And I think as we get older, we might look to the, uh, the Ron Paul, um, homeschool curriculum, but I think I looked at it a little bit and it seemed, I don't know, a little, I think it's better suited for an older kid, um, you know, starting to get into that middle school age. I'm not sure how much it would help, um, at the elementary level when you're just kind of, you know, really learning basics and you can kind of get that from, you know, other things. So have you, have you ever read, uh, healing our world by Mary Ruert? No, she, she, she has this, I don't know if it's real or if it's just like her hypothesizing in the book. She has this thing called like quest schooling. Uh, that is like a, it's like a hybrid, it's like a hybrid schooling. So it's, it's a place where kids can go basically. And the way that she describes it, it's like they go to a place and they basically, um, the way that the teachers are paid is by attracting students. And so like, uh, you have the kids will sign in. And then the teachers will be paid based on how many kids sign in. And then they do, they do their self-directed education on computers. And if, if the parents can't pay for it, then like they, they figure out these different ways to the comment. It's a nonprofit like model. So it's like, we figure it out. And um, like, I've always, I've always kind of like thought that was a really interesting idea ever since I read the book. And I was, and I've talked to my wife about this before. I was like, you know, once we have kids, like maybe we should 
like my ultimate goal is to be able to do all of my work from home. And, uh, and I can do actually a significant amount of it from home now and make the same amount of money. But, um, I, I actually work better when I'm away. So I was like, well, what if I, if I got, if I got my offices somewhere and we just kind of opened up a facility where kids could come and do self-directed education like Ron Paul or something like that. And it was, it was open. We would be open for like, you know, 14 hours or something like that and have different and just have adults there in case there was questions. But for the most part, kids just come and go as they please um, or as their parents, you know, directed them or whatever. And, uh, and they would be able to study at their own pace and it would be kind of the same model as, as this quest schooling, which I, I just, to me, it sounds like an awesome idea. Like there's gotta be, there's gotta be like a revolution in, in, there has to be a revolution in like homeschool, private school hybridization for these like really shitty parts of, of like, like Dallas, like where I live, there are some really terrible parts of Dallas and the schools there are awful. And, uh, and these are people that are just, they're just locked into these like terrible situations, but they're, but not all the kids are in, not all the kids are like some of the kids, like I, I'm not going to say they're a lost cause, but they're just in these family situations that they're not going to get out of. And it's, and it's, and it's awful, but there's also kids that are then locked in these cages with them. And these kids have nobody else to abuse, but the kids that are potentially going to be entrepreneurs or make some, some difference in the world. And it's like, can't we offer to these people who have kids that are interested in learning, but they don't make a lot of money for whatever reason. Isn't there some way that we can offer an alternative for them to do some sort of self-directed education so that they can actually learn and not be abused all like for eight hours a day? It'd be nice. (laughs) I know like right in in town here, we, um, a friend of mine just started a, a co-op where she she used to be a guidance counselor. She basically created like a like a little private school, um, you know, and, and she charges tuition and, and you know, she's got to rent a space. I think they they just built a space, um, you know, so that'll that that cost will disappear a little bit to some degree. Um, but yeah, it's it's something, you know, and I I think I think homeschool is growing. I think some of the you know, disdain for public school is, is surmounting. It's just, you know, it, it's growing. Um, you know, you look at all sorts of numbers that they put out and it always seems to the homeschool numbers getting, getting bigger and bigger every year. And I think it's why, that's why a lot of States are cracking down on it. Like California. I, I know this from my sister who uh, has kids and still lives there is that like, it's not as easy as it used to be to homeschool. Uh, there's a lot more oversight and, and they just don't want, they don't want kids out of the system. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a, you know, you get money for butts in the seat and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to lose that. You know, eventually there, there will be, I, I would like to think that there would be a, a critical mass that, you know, whines loud enough and, and people start crying about tax dollars, you know, your, your property tax that goes to fund a, a public school that you're not actually using. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing when it's just a few people in a private school or a couple homeschoolers here and there, but when it starts to be, you know, I don't know what that number is, but at some point it's going to be significant enough that, uh, that the outcry will be loud enough. Well, I and think, I think, but. I think too, with like the way that the economy is evolving where, where parents are allowed to work from home a lot more and, uh, or, or be nomadic or something like that is, you know, we've got these like digital nomads that are that, that like that population's exploding and, uh, a very similar situation where, uh, you're just going, you're going to, uh, there's just going to be so many more people who can do it. Like, you know, 20 years ago when I was going through school, it was, it was, you know, my dad worked full time and, and thank God my mom was able to stay home full time. Uh, but if they both had to work full time, then there's just no way. Even think about like the, uh, the, the curriculums, the, the information that's out there, you know, you can, you can find anything you need to know you can find. Um, you know, it's out there, it's accessible. Uh, I mean, when I, when I was growing up, when I was first homeschooled, like the only thing on the internet that existed was chat rooms and, uh, and, and like, and Carta, like, and, uh, and Carta was great, but, and, and I, and actually we used Encarta a ton when I was, uh, but there was just not that much there. We actually used chat rooms a lot too. Like I, I was very active on the internet from a very young age. We got, we got internet in 92. Okay. 
you mentioned a little bit about tasting anarchy and I know, uh, I mentioned at the top there, you, you do Childerberg. Um, so I, what, what, what is that? Okay, so, <laughs> hey, good introduction. So, Tasting Anarchy is a show that uh, that my co-host and I, Mason, do. Uh, Mason and I met through the Liberty Movement about uh, probably about eleven years ago. Uh, we both started getting into wine a little bit more. We used to drink a lot of beer together, but we he he got older. He had a kid. I got older. I got married, and so I just wasn't going out to the bars drinking as often as I used to. And so we would start doing just kind of like sessions where we would sip on wine together and. Then I, I made the decision to move to Texas and we we're best friends. And so he was, he is like, look, we've got to figure out a way to like continue meeting every week and hanging out and doing something. I wanted, like I had done several podcasts before Tasting Anarchy. So uh, like I was familiar with podcasting and he was like, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I always like hearing you on the podcasts and, um, He's like, let's do one together. And so he came up with the idea and he was like, let's do wine. And I think the idea just came up because I was, I was talking about some sort of thing in the news about wine that was like going to make things more difficult for certain uh, wines that we liked. And he was like, this is our opportunity. And I said, and, and we had also kind of gotten to the point too, where we were sort of tired of the political activism because we didn't really see it come to fruition. Like I was very, very politically active and he was kind of passively politically active. And so like I saw over time that there was just these, these things that were not working. And then my, my final straw was 2012. I, I was running the Gary Johnson campaign. And the, before, before the Republican primary was over, the, the young Republicans of Virginia Beach had asked, asked me to come and do help with Ron Paul. And I was like, you know what? I'll do help with Ron Paul, but the agreement will be, I'll help you guys with Ron Paul and I'll and that. But when Ron Paul loses, the closest candidate to Ron Paul is not Mitt Romney. It's Gary Johnson. So when, when Ron Paul loses, you guys come over and help me with Gary Johnson. And, and they were like, yeah, we're, we're really libertarians. I mean, we, we just are supporting Ron Paul because he's, he's the one who could possibly win. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And so, you know, he loses and I call up the, the chair of the young, young Republicans and I say, all right, uh, time for you guys to come and help me with Gary Johnson. They went, yeah, we're supporting Mitt Romney. And I was like, okay. Uh, I said, okay, then you guys will never see me in politics again. We, we will not work together. I'll finish out the Gary Johnson campaign and that will be it. That was my final straw on that where I was just like, look, politics is not, is not where I'm going to make a difference for, for some reason. What I need to do is I need to figure out cultural things or things that are interesting that attract people who are not necessarily libertarians and show them how the libertarian or anarchist perspective benefits them in this area of something they're passionate about. And that's kind of how we started getting into the wine thing is that people who are really into wine, people who are probably going to be listening to our show that are not already libertarians or anarchists, they have a passion for wine through, through doing just basic reviews of wine and talking about wine in different ways. But at the same time, as it, as is the case with all, all of alcohol is it is so heavily influenced by government regulation and, and intervention. Yeah. Just, just a taste. Just yeah. Taste. Just a taste. Give exactly. a little bit of it. You know? you just taste, taste, taste anarchy. Just think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, if we got government out of this, how, how are other ways that we could solve these problems? There are problems and, and they can be fixed. And when the government gets involved more often than not, yeah, it might fix a problem, but it, it usually lends itself to more problems. And if you just kind of left it alone, Sort itself out. Yeah, I think things almost always sort themselves out. People figure it out. It's just that that having the government as an option is a big hindrance because then people are waiting around forever. All right. And uh, any, any parting words on Childerberg? Oh, uh, well, Childerberg is it's coming up. It's uh, May twenty third and twenty sixth in twenty twenty. It's if you guys just if you want to experience just sort of a free market festival, it's going on at the same time as Libertarian National Convention this year. Uh, and it's only 20 minutes away from the Libertarian National Convention. So if you're interested in going to the Libertarian National Convention, you can. we're, we're going to be running a van in between. We're calling it the Childozer. Uh, and so the van will come and pick you up at the LNC, drop you off at Childerberg, and then drop you back off if you want to go back later on. Uh, we're planning on running it every three hours or so. You know, We're going to be starting signups in September. Uh, so go over to Childerberg.com and sign up for our newsletter, and we'll let you know when, when it's ready to sign up for this campsite. All right. Sounds good. I, I will throw that. That link in your in, in the show notes. What what is the link to that? What is that? Just just Childerberg.com. All right. It's a 
C H I L L D E R B U R G. So it's like a play on Bilderberg. All right. Well, I'll, I will put that in the show notes, and if people want to check that out, they they can. Um, it's a little far for me. I don't think I'll get there this year. Maybe maybe one of these years when the kids are a little bit older. I can... That's Jacob. It was fun. Uh, it's uh, most of the people that I've, I've talked to thus far have uh, have all kind of come. Most of them come out of the public school and, and gone into the homeschool realm, and, and that's about it. I don't think a lot of people have have bounced back and forth um, like Jacob did. And you know, as you can tell, he's uh, he's doing well, and he's doing well for himself. And um, you know, once it, once you come out of school, once you go homeschool, um, they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you you can't come back. Uh, so it's always if you're ever thinking about it do it do it and try it for a year try it for a couple of years try homeschooling and if it doesn't work they can't tell you you can't come back so you got that on your side anyway thanks again for uh for hanging out today for listening in and uh leaving those reviews on itunes because i know i know somebody's going to do it i know one of you out there is going to leave a review on itunes and so i thank you in advance for doing so and uh you guys have a great week and I'll, I'll catch you next week. Get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. I'm going to write us this dream.